And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 25 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Hunter Pence, how are you doing today? How has your week of baseball consumption been? I am outstanding. Tis the season to be a baseball fan. September, October, the fall is my favorite time of year, especially as a baseball fan. And I mean, there's so many interesting storylines. There's so much craziness. Grant, I actually feel like every two weeks, it's like something we didn't expect is happening. So like, you know, two weeks ago, if we if we turn back the clock, the Yankees were the hottest team. Like, watch out for the Yankees in the playoffs. And now fast forward uh, to this week, the Blue Jays have risen from the depths of the middle middle of the pack too. They are the hottest team on fire, taking down everybody. It's wild because every week it's like you look up and it's like, oh, the Braves, the Braves are the story. It's the Braves. It's oh, it's the Yankees. Oh, it's the Yankees and the Braves, and they're playing right now. The story is Toronto. The story is not the Rays because the Rays just like phew, they took off and they you know after like the Fourth of July they were something like forty one and seventeen they've had the best record since the Fourth of July the actual midpoint they're even a half game better than the Giants so like you have these teams that that are just shooting up the charts and one team that we you know have kind of ignored for a lot of the year for a lot of very good reasons are the Mariners and they're just kind of hanging around you know so every week there is something to gab about and I think the Blue Jays are doing some stuff in Vladimir Guerrero is a big part of that right oh my gosh Vladimir Guerrero is definitely a big part I mean obviously you know he's chasing a triple crown and this is one of the most fascinating things in all of baseball it's very rarely ever done obviously Miguel Cabrera was the last we saw who uh, ended up leading his team to the World Series but on that same team with Miguel Cabrera where Quite a few really good pitchers, if you've heard of, you know, a Justin Verlander and a Max Scherzer, if you like 3,000 strikeouts, you know. So, like, it takes a whole team, but uh, I will say that what Vladimir Guerrero is doing is a massive impact, and it's an exciting thing in baseball. But there's so many other good players on that team that are catching fire, and I don't know if, like, the attitude of, like, going from Buffalo to getting back into your home park, if that's like this, I'm sure that that's got to feel incredible and it's going to be very tough to be playing in Buffalo. So 
there's a lot to like unwrap with the Blue Jays because they were so talented going into the season with the addition of George Springer. And then they also traded for Barrios. There's just so many things like hitting the right chord at the right time. And everything's about peaking at the right moment. And it looks like everything's coming together for them. And, and obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Is, is doing something spectacular. We have talked about a lot of pitchers, a lot of players. I'm not sure if we have said this name more than a couple of times in passing. But Robbie Ray, that's like the move of the offseason for any team it's it, you know because you have Robbie Ray in the the mutant season of 2020 he was lost he had a, a 6.62 ERA he was walking the world he just could not throw strikes you go back to the season before that the, actually the two seasons before that he was he was good you know he wasn't great he was still walking too many batters but he like found that Randy Johnson serum where all of a sudden he's able to put the ball where he wants. Like Randy Johnson was just this wild out of control lefty. He was all limbs and he couldn't. And then all of a sudden, like, no, now he's he's spotting Mr. Snappy. Now he's throwing it where he wants to. And now Robbie Ray, he's not just like a chucker. He's not just a hurler. He is, you know, doing good stuff. He's keeping the walks down and the strikeouts. He's leading the American League in strikeouts. He is kind of a sneaky story that hasn't been talked about that much, but he has been an electric arm. And I think it was maybe two years ago or so with the with the Rays that he put together one of those years. He's kind of a, a an oxymoron in a, in a way for me because he's screaming the whole time he's pitching. He's throwing 97 miles an hour. He does have a lot of walks, but he's kind of a guy that doesn't give in. Uh, he doesn't really miss over the heart of a, the plate a ton back in, in the day. He shoots for the corners and all of his stuff is plus plus. So sometimes, honestly shifting to a new team and having to re-earn the stripes and getting reinvigorated brings out the best in a, in, in a competitor. Or maybe it's just like hearing a little bit of a different philosophy or mindset, or it's a pitching coach or who knows exactly what, but Robbie Ray is, you know, up there competing for the Cy Young and he's putting together a heck of a, a, a season as well for the Blue Jays. Like I said, the Blue Jays have a lot of weapons and they are an exciting team to watch. Robbie Ray was in the NL West from 2015 to 2018, which makes me think as a left-handed pitcher you faced him before is, is that accurate to say you probably faced him a ton right I believe I've faced him a ton I don't really know my numbers but I know that it was never like oh yay Robbie Ray's <laughs> pitching this is gonna be easy it, uh, it's like uh, he is he is coming he is competing you feel his energy I always really liked his presence because he looks like a skinny guy but I know he's really strong and he's just like screaming and letting it eat and like I love like competitors that just like let it all go out there and just like it's kind of like that gladiator mentality or 300 mentality, but he always reminded me of the movie 300 just because he's just up there like screaming with every pitch. And uh, it was fun to compete against that. I enjoy, you know, that kind of intensity. So being kind of a, uh, an intense player myself. You like facing pitchers who are at any point likely to scream Sparta, you know. <laughs> you feel like he might scream that out there. But, you know, he's got great off-speed stuff too. But, like, the fact that he's a lefty, he's throwing 97. He works, you know, he can work in, he can work out. He's got a change-up and a devastating slider that he gets a major swing and miss on. And, uh, you know, it's it, it really is an, an impressive uh impressive repertoire that he he features and if he does you know master that command and stops walking he's he's it's just elite elite stuff before we move on from the blue jays let's talk a little bit about vladimir guerrero jr and his chances to win the triple crown he's got a real shot he's leading an average right now i believe he's he's close to the home run lead he can win the triple crown and yet he might not finish that close to the MVP, top of the MVP. He might not win the MVP. He might not get that many first place votes. Does that bug you? Do you get it? I mean, I, I know you got thoughts. 
This is what I'm talking about, Grant, when I'm talking about this season has had so much interesting, wild shenanigans, and it's been so fun to follow. Like, legit, I, I couldn't have asked for a better first season as a fan, uh, retired, and getting to talk about than this one, because there's just so much juice. The fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's basically, I think right now, he's leading average, he's leading home runs, and he's a little bit behind in RBIs, like maybe four or five. He has a legitimate shot to win the Triple Crown. And like you said, he's going to come in number two in the MVP voting. Like, how do you win a Triple Crown and not win the MVP? It's actually mind-boggling. But what Shohei Otani is doing, you feel like he has to win the MVP with the amount of war that he has, what he's able to accomplish. Like, they're both historic seasons, and you have to pick one. And this is just the American League. Grant, help me out. Who is the MVP if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. leads his team to the playoffs, wins the Triple Crown, and then Shohei Otani does the pitching and the hitting that he's doing right now. Like, who is it? Who is it? Definitely Otani. Yeah, I'm going to get philosophical. I'm going to start dropping some hot hot takes on yeah. you. Yeah, and it's going to go with the definition of value, right? So we hear a lot. Most valuable player. Well, it's got to be the player who is valuable to his team's chances to contend. Valuable in the the playoff push. And I disagree with that strenuously. There is value in entertaining your fans. There is value in getting Angels fans to say, I am paying attention to this team. This is a lot of fun. One out of every five days, I get to watch this guy pitch. Uh, Most of the time, I get to watch him hit. There is a reason for me to pay attention to Angels baseball. I will remember this season forever. That has a lot of freaking value. Like, I know the Angels aren't going to win the World Series this year, but Otani is giving value to the franchise, to the fans. And when you combine what he's doing offensively with what he's doing as a pitcher, I don't think it's a contest. I I really appreciate the heck out of Vlad Jr. uh, winning the Triple Crown, perhaps, but no one's doing what Otani's done. And that has value above and beyond a postseason push. I hear you. Now, let let me paint another picture. Let's just say that Otani is able to stay healthy for four more seasons. And, you know, he pitches and hits in kind of the same numbers and area that he's in. Is the fact that he can do both and stay healthy just continuously make him the MVP even if you win the Triple Crown, which is one of the (laughs) hardest things to do in all of baseball? So is it just like, well, Otani can do more things at the same time. Therefore, he is now always the MVP because his war – the way that war is is built is always going to be the highest as long as he pitches you know above average and hits above average. Yeah, Correct. and I think there's an argument for that. So is it just that oh Tony's immediately the MVP no matter what? Is that where we're at? To put it another way, like what if Chris Bryant were like a shutdown closer? You would just have Chris Bryant. He's in there. He's playing third. He's left field. He's doing Chris Bryant things. Maybe he's not even the best hitter on his team, much less the league. But then in the middle of the game, you're like, all right, you know, Chris Bryant, come on in and shut this offense down. Shut the middle of the order down. Yeah, that's going to make him more valuable than your just average, ordinary Chris Bryant. So when you've got someone like Otani who is just filling two roles, it's like the greatest head start to a roster that any team has ever had. It's got value. That's got value. Entertainment value. It's got value in helping the Angels toward their goal of winning. I have no idea why they're not winning more. Like, I get Trout was hurt. Um, they just seem to be a snake-bitten team around the their generational superstars. But, man, if he's pitching like this and hitting like this, if he's pitching and hitting, like, on a level, a tier below this, he's probably still the most valuable player. It's just that's the head start he provides a roster. 
This is like a 972 OPS, by the way, which is incredible. That in and of itself gets you in the MVP category. Maybe not as the DH, but you know, still in the top 10. That's like a that's an incredible OPS. And then yeah, you add the 3.36 ERA. He's kind of not not quite as as good as he was, but not terrible. He's nine and two. That's just actually insane. But it really does lead the question. The MVP is over, so now everyone are they just they're just playing for the two spot, I guess. Yeah, I do feel bad for Vlad, and I feel bad for Blue Jays fans for because they're watching a historic season. It reminds me of Mike Trout in 2012 when uh, Miguel Cabrera won that that triple crown. Mike Trout was probably the better baseball player, the all around baseball player, because you're factoring in defense. You know, you don't have to use WAR as the end all be all. But when you're talking 2012, Mike Trout stole 49 bases. He uh, led the league in adjusted OPS. He led the league in runs. He hit 326. He was a, 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 just a magical defensive player. He was probably better than Miguel Cabrera. Uh, at the same time, you know, the Triple Crown, it's cool. You know, I'm a newfangled stats guy, but I still think that there's something really, really cool about like home runs average and runs batted in. They tell you a story of what happened and how much fun it was to watch. So uh, I get it and I would feel bad for Vlad Jr., but I think it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, that's all you can really say. Like, if he wins the Triple Crown, it's going to be mildly heartbreaking to see him <laughs> not win the MVP. But, you know, what can I say? Shohei Otani. So, I guess that's that. And when I'm looking at the Angels, it's not only, by the way, Mike Trout, who's been out for most of the season. It's Anthony Rendon, 60-day IL, like Justin Upton. He's, you know, and that's just a lot to overcome. Between just Trout and, and Rendon, you're, you're relying on them heavily, I guess, that's all I can really say. Like, I got to look at their pitching and stuff. But I think they got a couple pitchers that are starting to, you know, starting to click. But all of those guys are hurt as well. You know, Sandoval went down and he was starting to pitch really well. So the Angels, I think, if you add Trout and you add Rendon, they definitely could be in the mix. But maybe hit up a little bit more of this Mariners push. Because, like I said, two weeks ago, everyone was like, yeah, we're probably going to see a Yankees-Red Sox wild card game. And that's what we're all rooting for. And some just didn't. I was just like, I just don't feel like that's going to happen. And... The Blue Jays, yes, but the Mariners are playing some inspired baseball. I know that if you look at the strength of schedule, they have a tougher road. Obviously, it's possible, but what's your thoughts on this? And and one team that we haven't ever given much credit to is the Boston Red Sox, and we've, we've mentioned that a couple times. So go ahead, Grant. Talk to me a little bit more. Obviously, the Blue Jays, but who's the next one? Listen, I'm not going to, I'm done predicting. Every time I, I say a team's name, they end up going in the toilet, and I don't want the angry emails. But I will say that the Mariners, I, A, I don't get it. B, I think that they are just a ton of fun and everyone should be rooting for them. Like I, I'm supposed to be more of an objective journalist and I shouldn't have rooting interests at the same time. If you miss the postseason for 20 straight seasons, I'm pulling for you. I don't care. And so they have a negative 56 run differential. But then you have uh, the fun differential. That is what Scott Service says. They call it fun differential. And, the, and it's actually, it's really funny. On Baseball Reference, they have it right next to the run differential. Run differential, negative 56. Fun differential, plus 90. And it doesn't matter how they're doing it. The wins that they have are in the books. Like the, the wins they have, you're not taking them away because they were one run wins or because they got blown out the game before. They've won 78 games as of this recording. And, and they're a lot of fun. And you should be pulling for the Mariners if you have any interest in a team breaking uh, some regular season heartbreak. I guess this is the thing I want to say about it. Like data aside, and this is not going into the numbers. Obviously, I, I spoke about Tyler Anderson, and I think he's an incredible leader 
crazy smart, intense competitor. I knew that that was a huge trade for them. I knew know what he I know what he brings to a clubhouse, especially a young team. But with the eye, you see so much passion and fight in this team, and that says something to me. And I mean, obviously, you see passion and fight and flair and all of this. There's a lot going on everywhere, but there's something unique about that young. You know, haven't been there in 20 years, hungry, fierce, fire, and passion. And I'm seeing it from this Mariners team. So that's why I wanted to, to kind of just, you know, tickle that out there. But the fun differential is definitely high. The energy is high. And honestly, uh, it feels like they're trending up in a major way. Yeah, we spent some time at the, the trade deadline kind of going, looking at them with that cocked, you know, dog head. Like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're trading Kendall Graveman. You're, you know, playing a shell game. You're getting in Diego Castillo. What's going on? Since then, Abraham Toro, like, he's hitting 301. He is leading. He's been an offensive presence in the middle of their lineup. And, and it's a lineup that can use a little bit more offensively. They are not stacked top to bottom with sluggers or 300 hitters. They have some holes in that lineup. So getting Abraham Toro there, I, I hate to say it, but it looks like a genius move right now because the team didn't go into the toilet mentally. They weren't just like, oh, they they traded our closer and now we're just not going to try anymore. No, that's not how they work. And so they're back up. They've got a, a presence in the middle of the lineup. They have the bullpen is still humming, even without Graveman. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're crazy like a fox. I'm not sure I can give it genius move, but... It's making a little more sense than when we first, because we definitely kind of, we don't attack many things, but we kind of attacked that trade a little bit. And I think, you know, everyone that's that's rooting for the Mariners, and I still prefer bullpen, but here's the thing with Toro is he's doing great. He's got a lot of upside. They're going to have him for a long time versus Greatman is just a, a one-year rental. And they've seemed to p- patch together a pretty solid bullpen with what they have. So you know what? It is looking like a balanced trade, a good trade, and a win-win trade, which is, you know, obviously you want to win the trade, but when it's a win-win within the division, it's a little bit confusing. But, heck, the the Mariners keep doing it. Toro's been a big part of it. And I do, like I said, I love the Tyler Anderson trade, and they're going to be exciting to watch the next couple of weeks uh, of this season to see if they can sneak in there. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. 
Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. You know, the reason I'm talking to you today, the reason I have a baseball career uh, in a lot of ways it has to do with the 1997 Giants. That was the team that got me back into baseball in the biggest way. I'm in college. I had ignored baseball for a little bit to focus on, uh, you know, college things. And I was back in the 97 Giants and they were outscored on, on the season. They won their division while being outscored on the season. And all along, people were saying, Look at that. They're getting outscored. They're not that good. They're going to stumble. And as a fan watching that, I was like, eh, maybe, but it sure is fun while it lasts. Like, I'll worry about that later. Like, I don't care about the run differential right now. They just keep winning. And that's how I feel about the Mariners. Like, if you're a Mariners fan, don't get annoyed if people keep bringing up that they've been outscored. Don't be annoyed if people keep bringing up Pythagorean win-loss and stuff like that. Just sort of giggle and say, I can't believe that they're doing this. and let, Let's keep it going, you know? Like, once again, like, you can't really rely too much on it. It's like, where are you now? And and right now, you know, how many wins you have is how many wins you have. And the win-loss record is all that matters. The run differential doesn't necessarily matter. And to me, that kind of shows a little bit of the spirit of the bullpen. And when you get a lead, you can keep it. And to me, that's kind of the recipe for winning a World Series is, like, holding on to a lead. Yeah, the, the comeback potential and having the offense is a big deal. But like blowout games are are not as important, and and I I really do think that if you can have a high win record with without without scoring more runs than the other team, it says something about how well you play when it counts. Versus like a lot of times hitting when games are out of hand is a lot less stressful than hitting when the games are tight. So it tells me that there's an emotional strength if you're winning more games while getting outscored. Personally. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It says something to the pitchers you might have for high leverage situations and the pitchers you have for low leverage situations. Just because there's a disparity there doesn't mean that you don't still have good pitchers for those high leverage situations. But I mean, you're talking about the AL wildcard where you have the Blue Jays in front. You have the Yankees and Red Sox tied for the second wildcard as of right now. The Mariners, the A's are all right there. And then the, the National League, you have... One team, the Giants or the Dodgers, is going to have that wild card game. A National League wild card game is going to be played in San Francisco or Los Angeles. So then you have these teams fighting for the scraps at the bottom. We have the Reds, the Cardinals, the Padres, the Phillies, the Mets are, are, are right there, three and a half back as of this recording. That's the race, I think. That's the one I'm most in tuned with because you have reasons to disparage all those teams and go, gosh, man, they are just stumbling into the, the finish line. But you have so many teams there, you know one of them is going to get hot and, and take off for the, the rest of the year. There's one team that's not really stumbling right now that's kind of slowly pulling. They're not pulling the Blue Jays' hotness, but they're just like – Gaining ground and gaining ground and gaining ground. And it's a classic case of the St. Louis Cardinals. Just sneaking their way in there. And look at my man Adam Wainwright with like a 2880 ERA just like 
absolutely getting better. He's like a fine wine. He's getting better with age. I mean, no, he's been great his whole career. But this year in particular has just been above and beyond an absolute 16 and 7 with a 288, 190 innings pitched. This is incredible. Can we talk a little bit about Adam Wainwright and just the little engine that could with the Cardinals right now? Like that's who I'm feeling kind of a pulse where, and and it's very classic of that of that organization to do these kinds of things. Did you see that quote that he gave after facing the Mets, where he's talking about how he struck out Jeff McNeil to end the first inning? Did you see that one? No, I didn't. I would like to hear it though. He said, I like nostalgia, and I felt like all the Mets fans wanted to see me in that bases-loaded situation, and they wanted to see me throw two curveballs in a changeup and get them out. I gave the people what they wanted, and that's taking it back to the NLCS, the famous Carlos Beltran looking at the called third strike. He had enough presence, and he was feeling froggy enough to throw a little bit of historical shade at the Mets, and I love that. It is pro wrestling, it's it's, but it's winking. It's not overly mean. It's just the right measure of gotcha. You know, and I loved it. <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a salty veteran move right there. Just a little spice. Gave him some spice. But uh, I did not see that. And I would like to go and watch that uh, that Beltron uh, at bat. I don't have the history of that whole uh, scenario. But that is cla- that's pretty classic. And that's pretty funny. I like that playfulness is way more welcome today than it used to be, which is nice. Yeah, that was uh, in the 2006 NLCS when Wainwright was a a fresh-faced rookie. And uh, Mets fans would give Beltran a lot of grief for taking that call third strike. But with the benefit of hindsight, and now that you know that Adam Wainwright, you know, he's got a pretty strong Hall of Fame chance. Like, he's done a lot of, of good things. He is, at the very least, going to get Hall of Fame votes. Now you see it like, well, that's just like the nastiest curveball of a generation almost like you can't blame Beltran for that. Wainwright was just that good and he's been that good for and that really put it in perspective when he was referencing that NLCS from 2006. It made me remember, God, he really has been around for a billion years. Yeah, pretty much a billion years. Like it's a (laughs) long career. And he was he was like, you know, Cy Young candidate every year I was facing him when I, I I came into the league he had already been in the league won a world series it was 2007 and I'm since retired after a 14 year career which is not like terrible 14-ish year career and he's still plugging away battling you know he's going to be in the top 5 10 and, and Cy Young votes this year like 167 strikeouts 46 walks just incredible numbers all the way around and he's been doing it for so long yeah if you ask me and I love the way that you painted the picture of the Hall of Fame. I'm like talking about current players. is like, can you tell the story of his time playing baseball without mentioning him? And you can't tell the story of, Adam, uh, of baseball while Adam Rainwright's been out there without mentioning him. He's been kind of the lead of the Cardinals, and they've been incredible during this run. He's got a couple World Series championships and still, still building. I think the other one that someone had asked me and brought up was Buster Posey. And a lot of people get all really animated about talking about this, but can you tell the story of baseball without talking about Buster Posey in his era? He's won three World Series. He's been the, the catcher, the captain, the leader. And I know that the whole Brandon Belt captain thing <laughs> with the taping on his chest. But your catcher is kind of the captain of the pitching and and you know Buster's been a big centerpiece of this. Tell me you can tell the story of his his tenure and I know it's still counting without mentioning Buster Posey. 
the reason why Brandon Belt taping a C or, or have, going out to the field with a taped C on his chest is funny is because everyone sort of knows, like, yeah, it's Buster Posey. You know, Buster Posey is the actual, you know, heartbeat of this team and has been for years. He is the taciturn captain. He's the guy who's always been there. And you're right. Telling a story about the 2010s without Buster Posey seems a little ludicrous because he was the guy who came in as a rookie and led the Giants to a World Series win. He was the guy who came back from a devastating injury, you know, and won the MVP with one of the best second halves you'll ever see any player have. He's the guy who's just been around. He's been an all-star. He's hit for average. He's hit for power. And oh yeah, now he's having this late career renaissance where he comes back and he's as good as ever. This year, I think, cemented it to me. If he were to just have a couple more seasons where he was good defensively, where he got on base, you know, at a 33% clip, like, yeah, you could stretch the stats out and make him a Hall of Famer. But now when you have like one more boom, he's going to get MVP votes. He's probably going to be in the top 10 in MVP. That's like a cherry on top. Like, okay, I think we've we've seen enough. This guy is a big part of the story of baseball. If you describe it as, can we tell the story of this generation without him? He's a Hall of Famer right now. Adam Wainwright's Hall of Famer right now, as far as I'm concerned. You know, obviously you got Scherzer and Verlander, and there's a lot of them out there. But there's some great players of this generation, and and we have some young ones right now that are going to be so good to watch. Like like we mentioned before, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who surpassed his dad's home run total already at 22. And I hate to rewind it, but I wanted to mention one more thing besides that about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is this offseason, they were talking about it being the first time he ever worked out. Like he had never like lifted weights. So one year of lifting weights and what do we got? Like, what do we have to look forward to here? And like, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., and all of these young, ridiculous talents. So it's exciting times. But I had to mention that when we brought up the Adam Wainwright and the NL wildcard race. Back to you, Grant. What are your thoughts on who's going to take this home? I know you don't like to predict, but just give us a scope. Give us a scope of the next three weeks of absolute chaos. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network. You're there to look for jobs. You're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job Job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
I have watched the Padres over the last four days pretty closely. I've, I've watched their games against the Dodgers. I've watched uh, their first game against the Giants. They look flat. They look terrible. They look like, I mean, this was supposed to be Team 1A, 1B with the Dodgers and Padres. It was supposed to be Godzilla versus King Kong before the season started. It is not close to that. And for that reason... I'm just going to like turn a 180 and say, no, nah, I'm expecting the Padres to just, you know, go nuts at one point to either squeak in the postseason and then make everyone's life miserable in the postseason or to just have a run and put some distance between themselves and the teams behind them because there is just too much talent on this roster. I know the injury concerns. I know that they've had a decline in starting pitching uh, in the strikeout rate and all that stuff since the All-Star break. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think the Padres are still good. I'm just waiting for the other shoe. I guess it's not the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the other shoe to like fly up into the person's hand. Like I'm waiting for them to get good again. You know, watching Blake Snell come off the mound, I'm not sure what kind of injury that was. It's just so many injuries over there. And you know what? I'm extraordinarily rooting for them because I love their manager, Jace Tingler. I know how knowledgeable he is about the game, how impactful he was to my one year with the Rangers and how impressive. So I think he's an unbelievable manager. I do think that they've had a lot of injuries that are going to be tough. But it's definitely possible. And they're play- I think that they were playing pretty inspired until the Snell injury. And then they got kind of rocked in that game. They played some really tight games with the Dodgers. They squeaked out. But... I think they're good, and it's definitely possible. You know, just like the little engine that could, the uh, little Cardinals are, are who I'm feeling. But I, I like that. I like. I think any of these teams. I think it, like that's why it's just like, you know, the magic eight ball. You just you know, or the lottery ball. I just feel like you're just shaking it up, and one of them's going to pop out, and we don't know which one because the Reds have some some great stories. The Phillies have been fighting. The Mets have been yeah, and and that's another one to talk about is the Mets and Yankees series, and there's just so much going on with the Mets. If the Mets get in. That would be quite the story as well. So I like your thoughts, so. So you just think the Padres are, are going to find a way because there's so much talent? Because there is. Yeah, I mean, that's familiarity bias because I watch the Padres a lot. And I, I think my job as a, a writer for an NL West team requires me to think about the Padres more than to, to think about the Mets and think about the Cardinals and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, watching them and th- saying that they have the best chance. Uh, but at the same time, I listen, the Mets should have been there and they should have been there all along. And when you go down the names on the roster, I watched the Giants just absolutely steamroll them. And I did not recognize a lot of those players on the roster. Like I didn't recognize Michael Conforto and and the bats he was taking. I didn't recognize Jeff McNeil. Like what in the heck happened to him? That is maybe you can make a case that these players, these 28, 29 year old players are all of a sudden like bad now. I don't buy that. Like, I just think that it's a down season. Down seasons can happen to to any of them. And that at some point, the true talent level is still there, still waiting to be unlocked. Jeff McNeil is probably still the kind of guy who can hit, I don't know, 320. You know, he's still that kind of guy who is just a high average, high on base percentage, plays anywhere, uh, good contact, just enough power kind of hitter. And you can do that throughout the Mets lineup. And when you get to Francisco Lindor, he should be a superstar. He's had a miserable year. He's finally got his adjusted OPS above the league average. He's now, he had a three homer game. I still think that that's his true talent level. It's just, I don't think he forgot how to baseball. It's fair. It's fair. I definitely think that they have a lot of players that are seemingly underperforming. And you think that there's a lot more in the tank but at the same token, that division has quite a bit of incredible pitching. Uh, a team that we're kind of sleeping on and has a very arguable, 
MVP and Cy Young candidate and is actually has a better record right now than the Mets and a very full lineup. Bryce Harper, 1,032 OPS. You know, he's been out there every day. He's doing just pretty amazing, amazing season he's putting together here. 32 homers, 72 RBIs, 81 walks, which is insane. Definitely arguably an MVP in the National League. And then also they got Zach Wheeler. They got a pretty pretty decent little bullpen with Ranger Suarez doing really good. You know, Archie Bradley's having a good season. So the Phillies are, are definitely in this mix. And, and talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the Phillies. Like, you think the Mets are, are going to finish higher than the Phillies? Like, that's the team that in this whole mix is going to be battling with, I guess, the other teams? Listen, Bryce Harper is having the quietest Bryce Harper yeah, it's MVP a quiet, kind of Bryce, season. That's it's, the best way to put it. Go ahead, Grant. That's great. It, it's wild because it's Bryce Harper. And for so long, it was all eyes on Bryce Harper. And it was uh, Trout or Harper, Harper or Trout, and, you know, Machado, Harper, Trout. You've got this is the young foundation of baseball. Uh, he is uh, going to be the... He's the MVP one year. He's a big ticket free agent in, in an offseason. And then he gets to Philly and he has like a good year his first year in 2019 he had an 882 ops he was solid uh, there was some defensive weirdness with his numbers okay his next season it's the mutant 2020 season so he has a, a great year a 420 on base percentage he leads the league in walks but it's only 60 games so it's like this is his final form like he is 28 years old and it's easy to think he is uh, over the hill or that he's been around this, this is, is the prime yeah this is the prime if he hits like this for the next three four years like that's what players his age do is they hit a new level in 27 28 and they ride it for a few years and it's just like a very quiet like he's not striking out as much as he did his his eye is perfect uh, or not perfect but it's as good as it's gonna get outside of Juan Soto he's hitting for average uh, the defense is fine it's not a disaster out there he is uh, an MVP he he might you know if I had a vote he would be definitely a top two candidate for me and it's just he's he's always been this good he has built in 10 seasons the foundation of a Hall of Fame career and he's like not that far away from being an automatic Hall of Famer you know like a couple more years he might have already done it I don't know like Bryce Harper is he's a superstar yeah, he got to the to the big leagues at a, at a very young age and was really an impact player at a very young age. So pretty incredible stuff and 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 another great season. It's gonna like I said, like we can't call it, we can sit here and talk and talk and talk, but you got to go watch the games. You got to enjoy it, and, and that's why this these last three weeks are gonna be just absolute baseball fan heaven, and it's gonna be mayhem. And I love the fact. And speaking of the first team uh, yesterday on Monday clinched a playoff spot was the Giants the first one in five years congratulations to the Giants like let's talk a little bit about clinching this early I think it's a really good thing that the Dodgers are like super tight with them because to win that that division battle is gonna be insane and like yeah the Blue Jays are hot but the Giants might be even hotter because they're on like an eight or nine game win streak at this current time just clinched the playoffs they're on fire, but the Dodgers are do are matching them. Just win, they're both winning every single day. So we have these two teams that are hot, battling, and tight. Talk about being the White Sox, who have kind of already sealed that division. They're twelve games up. No one's really close to them. I think it's a lot tougher to be the White Sox than it is to be like the Giants and Dodgers that are fighting all the way. I, what are your thoughts on that? 
It is tricky because when you have that pressure, that constant, you know, scoreboard checking and you're trying to win like the Giants and the Dodgers. And it's such a huge difference to win the NL West, go into the NLDS, set the rotation up the way you want it. Whatever team wins the West will have home field advantage, most likely. That is such a huge advantage than just, whoops, we are hosting one wild card game and maybe we run into a Madison Bumgarner like Buzzsaw, some guy who just steamrolls us for nine innings and there's nothing you can do. I mean, that is such a huge disparity in in outcomes. So the Giants definitely have more pressure. They have more to play for. If you're talking about the White Sox or, say, the Brewers, it's how do you keep that fire going until the postseason? It's, it's definitely tricky. You would know more about that than I would. Just that feeling of... You know, you can't relax, but you also know like you can't just grind, grind, grind because you want to save some energy for the postseason. How do you balance that if you're a team like the Brewers or the White Sox? Yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on it. And for me, it's it's being a student of the game as well as a player and like being in it. I definitely didn't like the coziness and the comfort of like being way ahead, similar to kind of I actually learned a big lesson from 2011 with the Phillies where we just like kind of coasted and it was like relaxed and easy and then we jumped into the playoffs and we were I would maybe even say borderline overconfident we were so confident we like felt like we were the best team in baseball we had just this amazing and then like all of a sudden it's like you have to win there's no it was just a weird switch and and I actually leveraged kind of how relaxed it got there 2012 going to the Giants and we kind of took away what went off with the division I think we won the division by 10 games it was very important to me to stay locked in and to stay heavy and to not get comfortable, not to relax, because I knew kind of what happened when when you do relax. And so watching other teams and seeing it, I think one of the hardest things to do is kind of what the, the Cubs did in 2016, which is just be the best team in baseball and then answer the call, right? Like to do both is so hard to do because everyone's gunning for you. Everyone expects you to win and you kind of coasted. So I think it's harder to have the easy road like the White Sox have right now. Kind of the Astros are, are taken off, but they have a big chip on their shoulder. And the Brewers, like you said, like it's great to be under pressure and under fire for a long time. And a lot of times this is why the wild card teams are so hard to beat is because all of them have jumped into the emotional switch from the regular season to the playoffs before they enter their first series in the playoffs. So the other team is, yeah, they're bringing out their ace, but the other team is kind of felt that storm you start getting numb and locked in it's a little bit of a head start and also in baseball getting days off isn't necessarily always good sometimes just keeping playing is is a good rhythm as a giantsologist like i know that when the giants have the best record in baseball that's 2000 that's 2003 those aren't the postseason teams that you remember those are the the teams that fizzled in the nlds you know they were wire to wire in 2003 uh 2000 they they had a second half that just made the division a cakewalk and then they get in there and they're facing a team uh they have home field advantage but the other teams just as hungry and it didn't work out. Whereas if you have a team like 2010 where the Giants, you know, they had that last series against the Padres that they needed to win. When you're talking about uh, 2012, where it was comeback after comeback in each postseason series, 2014, they started hot, they fell and they had to claw, claw, claw just to get that second wildcard spot and go to Pittsburgh. Like those are the Giants teams that end up doing well. And it's confirmation bias to say, well, a team needs to have that adversity in order to make it through the postseason. But sometimes it feels like that's just how it is. Like the Royals in 2014, like they were the clawing team. And sometimes you get to the end of the season and it's not who the best team is. It's which team is just grinding and clawing. 
there's a momentum that happens and there's like a like for instance even that 2014 Royals team and that wild card game they played against the A's was absolutely insane the back and forth and the coming back and when you go through something like that it builds a new confidence and it builds a character and it builds a strength so sometimes a lot of times going through that intense fire and that intense fury and that intense stress over and over and over again and making it out of it gets this momentum of confidence and like it's going to work out and just builds you know a very dangerous team and you know, we kind of felt that in 2012 with the Giants as well. And you saw it with the 2014 Royals. They didn't lose a game after that. Like once they, after that, making it through that wild card game. And it was just uh, quite a season for the Royals there in 2014 as well. And then they go back to win it in 2015, which was nuts. But I want to say, now that I'm thinking about it and I'm looking at this and what I'm actually rooting for is I want some of these wild card races to end with not just two teams winning the wild card. <laughs> I'm going to say there might be some three, four way ties here. And I think that like, I remember it was like, what was it? The, the, the Indian, like uh, who was it? The Rangers had to play the Rays and then they, and then they had to come and play the Indians. They had to, it's like add more wild card games. I'm a fan of more playoff games. So I'm rooting for some of this to not just be two teams winning the wild card. I think there might be some ties here. You are Team Chaos. I'm Team Chaos. That is 100%. I love the chaos. I love the madness. I do it too. And I, I would love a little round robin tournament because A, uh, it's not a team that I would have to cover. So it's uh, uh, no extra work for me. And uh, uh, B, it's just, I love, like my favorite, I think I mentioned it last time, is the NLDS, the ALDS, ALDS when you have four games at one, you know, on one day where you're starting at nine o'clock on the West Coast and you're going to midnight in the West Coast and it's just baseball, 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 baseball. And like there's a development in every single game. This pitcher gets blown up. This reliever, hold, you know, strikes out the side. I can't get enough of that. So if you can just tack on an extra day of wild card nuttiness before that, I'm in. I'm in. I say four-way tie in both AL and NL. I'm in. Before we go, I have to add the craziest thing about the wild card is you jump into a game seven. It's literally like it's literally like the most intense scenario because you get into these series. Five game series is a little bit quicker, but it's like you can lose a game. You have a little breathing room. Seven game series, you have a lot of breathing room and the pressure starts to build as you go. Wild card games are in one game win or go home are pandemonium i want more of it and this is the one reason i do want more teams in the playoffs i would love to have you know eight and eight and like lots of playoff series but to be fair one game wild card play-ins are so fun it is literally my favorite so i hope we get a couple of these uh the tightness and the you can't call it i hope it all comes together and it stays tight and they all have to battle it out and we get to watch it and we get to sit back and enjoy those wonderful games because so many of them are just unbelievable stories and i, I also remember like a twins and tigers AL game to get into the postseason that just kept going back and forth and people were throwing people out at home. Do you remember that game? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. You can go through an entire postseason in the old format and not get to a game seven, right? It's possible. Uh, it might be statistically likely where, you know, you just have teams take care of business in four games in the NLDS or, or six games in the NLCS and you don't have that manufactured drama of a game seven. Whereas with the wild card game, it's just like, it's guaranteed. Here you go. Guaranteed. One team is going to like this whole 162 long ass season just distilled down to three hours and if you screw up in that first hour that's the whole season that's the whole season and i love it it's it's stressful when you're following the team and, and you're a fan and you're you're watching it it might be too much stress 
but it's fun to watch from the outside. I'll say that. Absolutely, Grant. This season has been chef's kiss. Talking with you every week is the same. Looking forward to more, and uh, hopefully hopefully we have uh, – more tight races and more things we don't know and try to figure out. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and if I'm going to leave a closing remark, I'm going to leave the closing remark that the Detroit Tigers are having a season we didn't expect. And uh, I think you got to give some credit to A.J. Hinch and uh, their bullpen is pitching really well and they're tough to beat right now. So eye on the Tigers for next year. Just a little little something that I felt in my heart. Planting the seed. Yeah, I mean, because you can have just, just a really bad team like the Orioles and the, the Diamondbacks. They are almost guaranteed to lose 100 games. And then you have the teams that are, you know, struggling to find their footing, get over 500, build that next good team, but are still fun while they're doing it. And the Tigers are one of those. They're still fun while they are kind of in that rebuilding mode. You feel a, a, an up and coming. So uh, eye on the Cardinals, obviously. Let's watch these wild card races and let's watch these uh, this, this, this tight division race in the NL West. This baseball season is amazing. All right. This has been episode 25 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Frisbee Show presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. We will be back next week with another week of information, another idea of just what in the heck is going on. And we'll talk baseball because that's what we do. Thanks so much for listening. I love coffee! <laughs>